You know, the last 23 months has been absolutely brutal on so many of us. We all have our own little story that kind of stands out. I had the privilege to sit down with Piper of Purvey, who not only bought a vineyard during COVID, but after moving onto the property, had to deal with the Oregon wildfires of 2020 less than a week after moving in. It's amazing to see the resilience and the mindset of Piper and how she approaches her winemaking, life, and just everything in general. So please sit down with me and enjoy this interview with Piper from Purvey. All right. Piper, thank you so much for you know taking the time to join me today. It's been a pleasure to get to know you, you know, uh, ever since this summer. So you know, thank you so much for sitting down today. Absolutely, thank you for having me. Welcome yeah. to my dining room. Thank you. It's great. <laughs> it's nice and cozy. It's foggy and everything. Yeah. Get out. It's kind of kind of cold. I was kind of surprised when I drove out here. It's not the day to go outside, no. especially up here on the Shale Mountain. You don't want to be driving around. No, you don't. It would, yeah, it's a little foggy. <laughs> Shall I pour us a little bit of wine? Sure. Okay. Love to. Great. Uh, so as I pour it, you know, uh, feel free to comment on it if you want to. If you don't want to, it's totally fine. Uh, you know, as I was kind of saying before we started, it's always nice to kind of sit down and talk about the people and stories behind wine and have wine be an accent to the conversation and not be the actual main Definitely. Yeah, main agenda. Well, I'm excited you picked red because I know red's better than white. <laughs> <laughs> Darn so it. I thought that was going to be pretty exciting. Yay. I should have brought a Chardonnay or a Riesling or I'm something else. I had a dream last night that you brought a Brick House Chardonnay and I'm not really sure why specifically that oh, one. Oh, no. <laughs> but I like opened my eyes and I was like, this is what it will be. And then you brought a red. And you're like, phew, <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It is. Super yeah. forest floor driven. Really nice. Smooth. It, it's, yeah. Very it, complex. Blackberry, raspberry. It's nice. It's got a really good tannin structure. Yeah. Well, cheers. Cheers to you. Thank you. Yes. Congratulations on this adventure. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. So, you know, COVID, right? We're going on like two years of COVID and everybody kind of has a story or like my life has been kind of crazy. But if you just take like the last year and a half of your life, it's been quite an adventure. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So the end of, you know, toward the end of 2020, you purchased Purvey Vineyard. Mm -hmm. How did that like come about i mean we're going to kind of go through the timeline from then till now but like how did that how did the purchase of you know purvey come about how did you hear about it like what what happened there well we started looking kind of like january february of 2020 right by we i mean my partner ben and my parents both charlie melanie were all four partners in purvey which is really cool it's super family oriented and we kind of we were uh, all kind of at a financially responsible space in our in our lives where we had enough money to kind of do something different and start a business together. And I have a history in the wine world and was, you know, giddy to get back into it and, and pretty excited. And so we started looking. We had chosen Oregon specifically because both Ben and I love mountains. We love mountain biking, skiing. We moved here from Utah. He's from Wyoming. We knew that it had to be connected to the outdoors somehow. And I had done most of my work in California, loved California wines, really enjoyed the people, but found it kind of not super connected to the outdoors in the way that I wanted my life to be. Um, And I'd heard great things about Oregon and had really only been out here one weekend to taste through some wines. And they were great wines. I always knew I wanted to make Pinot Noir since I was pretty young. And so... Pinot Noir here and the mountains. I was like, probably a win. Right. And so we kind of started putting out some feelers. Weren't really finding anything that kind of spoke to us. A lot of properties that were actively for sale were 
um, needed some work or, um, you know, needed to be planted or, you know, something along those lines or were really big operations, you know, six, five, 5,000 plus cases, which is a lot for one person. That is a lot, yes. <laughs> and so um, just kind of didn't really work out for us. So we reached out to a couple of people that we had become friends with in the Valley just through the wine world and said, you know, if you hear of anybody looking to, to sell or something, you know, give us a shout. We're, we're really interested. Right. And so our friends, our mutual friends knew Tina and Mark Hammond, who founded Purvey Vineyard in, they founded Purvey Vineyard in 2000, but they've been farming the vineyard here since the early 90s. And so they had been kind of a staple in the area and had been trying to retire for five or six years and their kids didn't want to take over. And so they kind of, COVID started kind of being around a topic of conversation, you know, late February, early March. And they were like, well, this will probably never happen now. We're, we're <laughs> probably in it for the long haul right. um, and took it off the market. And so I, I called Tina up one morning and was living in Park City, Utah and sitting on my deck, looking out at the mountains. And, you know, we have such drastically different life stories and such drastic different backgrounds, but very similar philosophies about winemaking. Um, and we just hit it off. She became like a family, like a mom figure right. to me. And we flew out the next week, my father and I, to look at the property. We were here for six hours, and that was the day that the world shut down. <laughs> it was like March <laughs> oh, no. 13th or so. Oh, wow. Um, we were like the last flight into back into Salt Lake. And um, yeah, we knew right then. I, I texted her on my drive home was like, absolutely, let's drop some paperwork and, and wow. move forward. So that's kind of how we, how we found here. Poor Ben had no idea what he was getting into. <laughs> never saw for day. He has right. no history in the, in the oh. industry. So it was kind of, um, he, he was awesome. He was like, yep, okay, we're moving. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And wow. so, uh, yeah, we moved out. We uh, moved out here early August. And um, the rest is kind of kind of history. We've wow. been here ever since. Well, so on that one weekend or week that you came out to Oregon, do you remember the couple wineries that you visited or anything? So I came the first only time really that I've right. been here prior to seeing this property for the day was for the first barrel auction that was at the Allison. Oh gosh, I think it was like 15 or 16. Right. I think, I don't know. Um, but yeah, the first auction I was working at the time for an urban winery in, in Park City, Utah. A friend of mine and I had started it and he was a sommelier for a long time and sold a bunch of Dusky Goose throughout Utah, and right. um, Natalie Sigafoose used to work there, brought him out for her guest. Um, and he didn't want to, he couldn't come, he was working. So oh. he sent me, and I was <laughs> so excited. Oh darn. I was like, yeah, bummer, I have to leave the lab, okay. Um, and it was awesome. So we right. tasted, I think we tasted like 60 plus wines. We, we toured all over, Adelsheim, Alexana both, host, both hosted events. Um, and it was beautiful. It, it just so happened. I believe it was in March or April. And it just so happened that it was a beautiful sunny day. And I was like, "What is everybody talking about in, in Oregon? <laughs> like, oh, this it's, is beautiful. It's gorgeous everybody out here. A lot. I don't right. know. <laughs> now you know. Now I know. <laughs> yep, we have our first winter here. I don't think I saw the sun for like like everybody a few months, and right. it was. A little bit eye-opening. Well, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of like eye-opening and like, oh, like, yeah. um, trying to find the right words, but like, this is real, right? Mm -hmm. So you got here, like moved yeah. in. And if I remember correctly, if I read correctly, like four days afterwards, mm -hmm. the fires of 2020. Exactly. I mean, what yeah. was going through your head? I mean, they'll be like, did I make the right decision? Or I mean, I'm yeah. just like, I'm just... It's kind of interesting, right? I, um, like I said, all of my schooling and, and work experiences in California. So I worked at Joseph Phelps through the 17 fires and the 18 fires, right. um, had been evacuated multiple times. You know, I have vivid memories um, in the 17 fires of sneaking through the vineyard on my bike with uh, a winemaker who I lived next door to oh to go to his winery to work on his wines because you weren't supposed to be in city limits. And so we would sneak out of our houses and, and go work on his vineyard. And it was, you know, I was 24 at that time and didn't own any of the wineries I worked for. So the, um, it kind of hit me a little bit different. It was more almost kind of 
you don't understand the gravity of the situation so much. And it was right. almost kind of fun where it was like, which, which seems so uh, grotesque, but it was almost kind of like, you know, under the cover of dark and in the fog and the fire. And you're just kind of, you know, dating the cops to go to work <laughs> online. It seems so um, novel and romantic in a way. Right. And it wasn't until kind of the, the, the smoke cleared after that and, and walking through the vineyards and seeing Atlas Mountain kind of burn to the ground and, and friends of mine had wineries that burned and, and homes that burned and the gravity of the situation really, really sunk in. And I think, you know, I didn't really ever talk about it with anybody. Right. Um, and it was kind of just like, okay, this, this chapter of my life is over and I'm going to work on something else. And, right. you know, I'm leaving California, honestly, probably mostly left because the fires just got to be emotionally too traumatic and heavy. And, uh, it kind of took all the fun out of what I loved most about winemaking. Right. And so, um, when the fires hit here, it was kind of, kind of like that try to text me wake up and I was like oh no here we go again right. like I was so excited about Oregon not having to worry about this and finding my love of, of winemaking again um we were really really lucky here at this specific spot on Shalem Mountain we were it was smoky for for a little bit but for the most part at our elevation of roughly 600 feet we were a lot clearer than the surrounding areas and we right. didn't really have any smoke tamed on our property and we did not have any fire damage. Um, so I think that kind of was a sh jarring, <laughs> shocking, jarring <laughs> right, yeah. to the wine world, but also we were so lucky and, and honestly right. it just, yeah, it's, it's an adventure and if you look at it, as positively as you can, you know, there's always a silver lining. Well, yeah, there, there is, but I mean, I, I can, I, I try to put myself in your shoes, right? I mean, I, you, you go, you embark upon this new adventure yeah. and then all of a sudden there's a possibility that it could just all literally go up and smoke yeah. and it's just, <gasps> yeah, it's crazy. It's a little crazy. It's a little yeah. crazy. It's, um, yeah. I honestly, it was, it was pretty cool having had my experience in California because you just, move into the mode of, okay, there's fire, there's possibility for, you know, immediate endangerment. Right. So, okay, what are the situations? How do we, how do we solve that? And then once that kind of, you know, you, you see that the fire is moving the other direction or that, you know, the fire closest to you is, is in control and that kind of immediate threat wanes. And then you're like, okay, <laughs> what about the wines? Right. What do we do about, you know, bringing people to tasting room? How do we, um, how's the best way to handle the fruit coming in? Because that was, as everybody knows, like a week to two weeks before harvest. Right. And so, um, you know, I was really fortunate in that arena that I had from my contacts in California, I had an awesome, you know, group of people that had been through this, unfortunately, a, a lot of times and, right, right. and were pretty dialed with what, what they do in, in that situation. So, you know, 2020 was not the easiest year to make wine well, <laughs> anywhere. Right? No, it, it wasn't. <laughs> so, it, it was um, it was a good, it was good, it was good. good. I think you know now when I think of things that pop up or you know we have torrential, our winery flooded last winter. You know there was torrential down like rain and then the heat waves this summer. It's kind of like, you know, we got through fire in the first like five days of being here. I think this will be okay. We got it all. We got <laughs> we it can, all. We can probably get through this. You know, it puts everything into perspective. It sure. does. And then, you know, fast forward to the 2021 vintage mm -hmm. and that, I mean, everybody in the Valley is talking about how wonderful and beautiful it has been. And, you know, that's kind of been the, the prize at the end of your, of your journey so far. And it's just nice to see that um, there's a bunch of good that comes out of all this. Oh, absolutely. I think 2021 harvest was definitely the most fun harvest I've ever done. Right. And, um, we had great people, we had phenomenal wines, and just the weather was perfect. It was what you dream of as a winemaker when harvest comes. There's no rain threats, there's no pest threats, there's just, it was just, pick whenever you want to pick to harvest. Right. You can do whatever you want. That never happens. So I was like, <laughs> this is awesome. We earned this. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So what got you into wine? I mean, you got the wine bug, but how did you get that? Yeah, my father. So okay. my father is an avid wine collector. He's been collecting wine since he was 
18, 19 in his college dorm. He's, he's a little bit odd. Um, he's super into, he's kind of a renaissance man. He's into a, a lot of different things. And I, I learned my love of, of kind of the world and right. learning as much as I could about the world through him. And for me, and, and also for us together as a father-daughter team, has always been to see the world through wine. You know, want, the best part about wine is that it's, it's a history book. So it has so, every glass is just, you can learn about the regions, you can learn about farming, which in turn is, you know, environment and what the history of the arts and culture is all wrapped up in wine as well. And so right. it, was, it was just like a really cool way to learn. And so I started drinking wine with him at, at a pretty young age, you know, sips at dinner. And right. it, for my family, it was always sit down at the dinner table and family meal and have a sip of his wine and okay, what do you taste? What do you what is what are you getting from this? What is the sensorial experience for you? And then it, once we talked about it, you're like, okay, let me tell you about this wine. Let me tell you about the producer and where it right. comes from. Because he's much like you in the sense that he loves the story just as much as the wine. And so it was always this journey that we took as a team. And I kept that with me forever. And and when I got through college, you know, I always loved wine, but I was never like this is my path or my calling. <laughs> right, right, right. I would go to college like, and studied um, art history and environmental geology. And so I just assumed that I would go into, um, you know, the oil and gas world or something like that and, um, you know, do something, a real job, right? Like everybody says. And, <laughs> um, and so when I graduated, I, I was done in this school. I was so over it and I was tired of, Science. I was just tired of everything that I'd been learning, the geology science. I just, I need a break and right. to do something else. And so, you know, at 21 and you need a break and your family's like, you just helped you get through college. And this is, you don't get to just do nothing. Um, so under his, his kind of encouragement, I went to California and, and did my first harvest and never looked back. Wow. Yeah. Stayed in the wine world ever since then, since 2015 and chased harvests all over the U.S. and then went to UC Davis. Nice, very, very yeah, nice. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, yeah, and then took a little hiatus from the wine world and was like, maybe I'll, let me just try something out to like make sure that this is really what I want to do. Right. And immediately regretted it <laughs> in like what, two weeks. <laughs> well, there, there's so much. I mean, the world of wine in general is so vast mm -hmm. and there's so many rabbit holes to go down. Absolutely. You know, and it is a real job. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I always just make fun of it as being a real job because I, we work such weird hours, right? Right. It's, it's so um, all my friends work nine to five, and so it's like for them to be, when they come visit or when they see Harvest, they're like, this is weird. Like, what are you doing today? <laughs> but it's, it's just fun. Well, it, it all ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. You have you have kind of a downtime, kind of like right now a little bit. I mean, it's not all downtime, but you do have the ability to like, Hey, I want to, you know, spend some time with my family and, you know, leave for a couple of weeks. And you have that ability. Absolutely. You know, which yeah. is, which is really nice. And, you know, and you have the ability to sit down with me today, which is yeah, great. It is. And, and, you know, I think my favorite thing about doing this adventure, um, in the way that, that my family is doing it is that I get to do everything within the business. So, um, I'm learning all the time you're learning. My day is never just one thing. It's right. never just in the vineyard. It's never just in the winery. It's never just in the office. So it's, you know, not only are you learning every step of the way, but you're also always intrigued. I'm, I, the day is never the same. Right. So that for me is, is pretty exciting. And that's uh, with the days never being exactly the same. I remember early on, I was working at a, a grocery store. And I was working in the produce section. I was like, okay, time to put out the produce. Yeah. Time to put out the produce. Yeah. And I got so sick and tired of doing the same mm -hmm. exact thing. And I was so grateful in high school to know, yeah, that's not the kind of job that I want to do. No. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. yeah, I think you learn pretty early on if that's not right. your path in life. Yeah. 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 And making your own schedule is, I'm not going to lie, it's pretty cool. It is, pre <laughs> it is pretty, pretty yeah. cool. It's pretty cool. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. I, I don't have everything outlined perfectly. But um, when I was here in June, you had told me like the, the 2020 futures had sold out, you know, in March. Mm -hmm. And, you know, okay, so if you look at like um, 
the end of 2020 to March, right? Like six months. And you're like, all my wine is sold out. Mm-hmm. What, what, how did that make you feel? Like what, I mean, sure. That was a totally different feeling for you, you know, in many regards. It totally is. Um, the previous owners had kind of had set up this futures program, which I had never heard of before. Right. Um, selling wine on futures. And, and as I've talked to more people in the industry, you know, AJ is, it's, People keep saying, oh, this is this was how we everybody used to do it. This is not that bizarre. It's just not really how people do it now. Right. And so I, I've learned a lot about futures. <laughs> um, and it's it's pretty cool. Um, it's a cool way to start a wine business, I think. Um, right. Because overhead is, is really tough for people that are starting out a wine business. And so for that reason, I understand why a lot of people utilized it in the beginning. Um it's, it's weird when you sell out. Every, right. The previous owner's like, oh, you're going to sell out before the summer. This is, that's, that's just how it works. I was like, okay, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. That's crazy. Right. Um, and it does. It does happen. You know, we are sitting here on this little, I like to think of it as a little slice of heaven. It's, it's um, the main estate vineyard. It's only four acres, two acres planted. Right. Um, so that doesn't produce a ton of wine, and that's definitely our, our flagship estate wine. So they sell out pretty quickly, and um, I wish I made more is kind of how that makes me feel. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I wish I could make more. Um, and, you know, you're, you're, you're just limited. That's the best part about estate wines, and that's why estate wines are as great as they are, is because you're always just limited, uh, like, limited by what you can physically create. Right. You can only own so much, and you can only create so much. So, um, it's it's really it's for me such an honor to have inherited such an incredible program that's so well respected and so well loved that selling out is even on would have even been on the periphery of my you know time right. here, and that is um, a real experience every year is is an honor. Yeah, no, that is, is. It feels pretty, pretty great for me to um, be able to step into those roles that Tina has left, and um, to be able to foster that relationship. You know, I, we talk to our clients every single day. Um, I'm t- on the phone with one of them, and I know their families, and I know you know where their kids are going to college, and right. you know what how building their retirement home is going, and. You know, we talk, we talk on a regular basis, and I would never give that for anything in the world. I think that's really unique and special. It is unique and special to have clientele where, you know, you have that kind of connection and relationship. I mean, when you, when you consume food or you consume anything that you put in your body, to have that connection mm-hmm. is really rare in this world. It is. Yes. And isn't that such a cool thing about, about wine, right? It's it connects you to so many things. It's not just connecting you to a sense of place or a terroir, um, but it's connecting you to each other. So right. here we are having a great conversation, talking about wine and, and our stories, but it's all centered around a glass of wine. And, and I find the same with our clients. You know, we, we were in Bend last weekend getting our last ski trip in <laughs> and um, yeah, got to meet up with some of our clients that are there and right. you know, they they all just are really wonderful people. And, I feel pretty pretty honored and blessed that they trust me to carry on what Tina and Mark have created because it's pretty impressive and um, and this is truly a little slice of heaven on this property. It's pretty great. <laughs> it, it is. Um, uh, Rusty, you know, Prince of Pino, if you know, in reading about you know, like his first visit here, seeing the barrels, and then you know, coming up, when you come up the long driveway, I mean, you are almost like taken away. Mm-hmm. And you're in like a little slice of France. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it is such a unique little experience back here. It is. It is really, it's so beautiful and, and fun. And, you know, I, I always would tell people, and, and it's true, that when we first moved here, I would just take my coffee out in the morning or, you know, a glass of wine in the evening and walk right. around and just like pinch myself because I can't, I could never imagine that I got you know, I'm here and that I have right. ended up on such an incredible space and, and get to work here every day. And, um, I still feel that way. It's been like a year and a half and I still do that regularly. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I would do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah so I would... it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. No, 
Oh, that that yeah. is great. I think you mentioned earlier that you bought another vineyard to kind of like have more wine available. Yeah, I think multifold uh, concept. I so when I came here, right, I I was mostly in the cellar. And in school, we covered viticulture and cellar work. So I had some understanding and, and some knowledge of, of viticulture. When we started working here at Purvey and I started doing everything, um, and a little bit of this, a little bit of that, I found that I love the vineyard the most. It's like my right. favorite part. My favorite days working at this business are when I'm out in the vineyard. And so for me, that and, and seeing it, you know, come totally through the winery from pruning all the way through, you know, growing season, grazing all the way into harvest and into your cellar the next year. For me, um, seeing that process really solidified what I already was felt strongly about, which is um, really well taking care of grapes and well stewarded vineyards create really great wine because they create great grapes, right? right so right. I think most of us believe that you can't make really great wine out of mediocre grapes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I think that's a, that's a pretty solid, safe bet. Um, yes. And so the decision to bring on another vineyard was, I think, you know, multifold in the sense that it would be great to be able to offer some more estate wines for our clients. And also, um, the more control you have in the vineyard, the more control you have in the winery, you know, we can tweak things here and there in the vineyard that have a massive impact on the way the wines end up at the end of their time in the cellar. Right. And so to be able to have a little bit more control was definitely a focus. And we ended up in Ribbon Ridge. Okay. So use, utilizing another ABA too is really awesome. Right. Kind of expands our portfolio. I love Ribbon Ridge. It was one of those experiences where we weren't really looking. We kind of went out there just to see what was going on. And the minute I walked through the gate, I was like, it was spiritual. It was, I felt connected to that land and it was overwhelming right. and it, it just clicked. It just felt right. I think. And that's the way it should feel. Yeah. If you right. don't feel that way, it's not the right place. Right. Right. No, it needs to speak to you almost instantly. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's an incredible piece of property. It is young. It's really young. It says 2021 was our first year pulling in fruit from the vineyard, but it's, um, bunch of different aspects north south mostly west um a little bit of east and it is a bunch of varietals so we're here on this estate purvey proper we only have Comar, which right. is beautiful but this vineyard is super fun because we have 115 777 Badensville, and Pomar, so we can do fun blends right. we can do some single clone style you know lines and wines and stuff like that so i'm really excited that is exciting. And the wines in the cellar are tasting really good from there. So beautiful. I'm pretty excited. Am I remembering correctly saying that you're going to bring in some Chardonnay? Yes. We did okay. Chardonnay for the first time in 2021. What a learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> I have very limited experience working with white wines. Right. Um, which is why I wanted to bring in a Chardonnay. Right. Uh, naturally. And yeah, it's completely different. Honestly. I don't, I shouldn't probably say this out loud, but it was, I think it's way more fun to make than red wine. <laughs> I found it to be really exciting um, and super stimulating and probably because it's new, but it was well, yeah. such an adventure. We had beautiful fruit from Dundee come in and we are, yeah, it's awesome. We're so excited. We have one barrel, so it's like. Don't get too excited. Well, well you, you know, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're getting outside your comfort zone. That's yeah. why it's exciting and everything. Uh, but like one barrel, right? Mm -hmm. If like, if it totally like goes, mm -hmm. yeah, it's whatever. not, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. yeah. We have tons of friends. We'll, we'll drink it, you know. Yeah. Shipping, right. Yeah. Or you could have like a little privé, like yeah. party or whatever and bring it. It's like, Hey, you want to, yeah. it's fun. It's, um, it's been an adventure, honestly. Right. It really opened my eyes to why I'm making. We've learned a bunch of new things that we can implement in the red world as well, right. which is pretty cool. Um, made us much more efficient in our production procedure. It's kind of, we had to change a little bit about how we bring fruit in from harvest and how we um, process it into the cellar. So 
that was pretty cool. And kind of, you know, we found that it actually works really well for, for reds, our right. new process as well. So that's pretty cool. And um, yeah, you know, it's so fun. It's really fun to go in the winery and the taste of your reds all the time is really fun. But when you get to that white brown, you're like, Ooh. what is it going to be? <laughs> What's going to happen? That's awesome. <laughs> is it going to be white? What color? <laughs> so right. it's been really good. And it's, it's that's so great. Fun. And yeah, I don't know. When you start something new, you just read a bunch and. Right. I get kind of like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, let's try all the things. <laughs> exactly. You got to. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was really fun. That's it great. An adventure. And the fruit was beautiful. We were so lucky to have this fruit. And, you know, almost kind of like so beautiful that it was a little intimidating. But right. um, but yeah, right. It's, it tastes really good as well. And so we'll see it out to the end. And I'm sure it's going to be fabulous. We're already bringing in some, some, not already bringing it in, but we already have some contract for some like fruit this year as well. So. We'll see. Nice. I'm pretty excited about it. That yeah. is exciting. Yeah. So, speaking again of Rusty, Prince of Pino, mm -hmm. like, years and years and years, like, he has set the bar really freaking high of, like, how he feels about your wine. Mm -hmm. Do you feel any pressure of, like, uh, I hope not to disappoint you? <laughs> the first time we called, um, <laughs> and I, I, um, I knew who he was. I didn't, right. I don't have his number saved, so I had no, you know, I just answered, hello, provide my name, and I think it was pretty early in the morning, I, like, had maybe hadn't had all my coffee, and he's like, oh, it's Rusty from Prince of Pino. I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, what can I do for you, right, right. and he, like, starts talking, and I was like, it dawned on me, like, five minutes into the conversation, who was, who I was speaking with, and right. that he has um, been such a compliment to, to purvey wines for so long right. uh, and had such a beautiful relationship with Tina as well that they that kind of grew out of, out of his love for purvey wines and I was I got a little shaken <laughs> on the I, phone I could imagine and, um, honestly it was such a beautiful conversation he was so easy to talk to um, and I'm, I mean I'm so excited he bought a bunch of our of the wines I've made for Purvey as well and right. he got them last year and so um I'm just just giddy to <laughs> to see what he has to say about them. Right. But um but yeah and it you know it'll be an adventure. Like we said twenty twenty was was an interesting year and so yeah um I think the, the biggest hurdle there is probably overcoming um what we think the wines should be right, right? as a, a general wine drinking community. Um, I, we've all been in those, those rooms or at those tables where someone's sipping a glass of wine or, or you know, um, enjoying a glass of wine or a tasting and, um, based on something that the person who's pouring the wines has said or what they may know about the weather that happens in generally in Oregon or in the right. Northwest or something, they may like a lot of, and I do it as well, form opinions about wines before I truly taste them. And, and so it'll be really interesting, I think, to see what people think about, about the twenties. Um, you know, I think wine, Oregon wineries as a whole have worked really, really hard to put out the, the places that have put out red wines, tried really right. hard to put out, you know, phenomenal wines. And I'm, I feel like we all kind of are in the same, same theory as, if it wasn't perfect, we wouldn't release it. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we're all putting our best foot forward, and so. Yeah, no. But I... to get Rusty to have to taste wines, you know, I've, I've read Rusty's reports since I was a little kid, and so for him to be tasting wines that I've made is pretty crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> I mean, so he talked about the, and I'm going to mispronounce. That's okay. The, can you, the. the Joie Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, he, so this is what he wrote in his end of year. He said, you know, um, etched bottle number 38 out of 288, signed by winemaker Tina Hammond. It was a glorious drinking experience. This extraordinary wine uh, rivaled any domestic Pinot I have ever drunk. Although Pinot Noir is known as a finicky grape that likes to play hard to get, this wine was... Uh, beguiling upon opening and it evolved into an orgasmic experience when I finished the bottle the following day to kick off the new year with a score of 99. That's just absolutely amazing. It is pretty incredible. Yeah. It is. You know, honestly, I think knowing what I know about this place, having only been here 
a short while. Right. This hillside, it's just special. You know, there's just something about these vineyards. And, and Joie de Vie um, is a staple. It's a flagship of state wine, and it's a blend of our northern block and our southern block. So normally those two blocks are bottled separately. And right. For one barrel every year, we bottle them together. And it's usually roughly about a 50-50 blend. And, you know, I think that's my favorite one as well for Purvey. And I think that what Rusty's touching on is, is really true, is that, you know, you're getting all these beautiful tannin structure from Lassoud, which is lower in elevation, a little bit warmer, and you're getting all these beautiful kind of lighter, softer dancing notes out of Lenore that are happening more because it's a higher elevation, it's cooler, and it gets a different different subclimate and microclimate. And so, you know, um, I, w I would say I agree. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 yes, yes. But, um, but yeah, I mean, to have someone write, write something like that about anything that I'm even right. remotely correlated to is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. <laughs> and um, and Tina is a phenomenal winemaker. You know, she she's a, she's brilliant, and she has taught me a lot. And um, you know, I, we raised a glass when we read that, and I said, you know, now you right. can retire pretty confidently. I think. Yeah, no, that that is great. <laughs> it's a good way to go out. <laughs> it, it very much is. You know, in the comment that Rusty made about the, you know the following day, uh, a few weeks ago, I opened up the 2020 Syrah. And as it, you know, kind of aged and opened up more and more, I was like, this is, this is really good. Mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. It was fabulous, you know, especially yeah. on day two. I opened a 2020 Lenord to, no, last week, Wednesday. And because I, a uh, fellow winemaker was like, oh, what, how are your 20s tasting? I was like, oh, I don't know. I haven't really tasted them. And I was like, oh, I probably should. <laughs> I should probably do that. <laughs> So I opened up a bottle of Lenord and it, it, yeah, it gets better and better right. and better as it opens up. It was pretty tight right off the bat. Granted, it's, it's really young, um, right. but yeah, I think honestly, I, I found most of our wines to drink better the next day, which is kind of cool. That is, I mean, it's like very cool. hard to create for the winemaking world, <laughs> so I'm taking it. <laughs> yes. And the Syrah is like, I always tell clients when they come in and taste it, I'm like, pretty sure I'm not supposed to say this since we make Pinot Noir, but the Syrah is probably my favorite. It's so fun. It is so good. It's and weird and fun and different than what you think it's going to be, which I love, and yeah. it's really fun to make. Syrah is so fun. You know, Pinot really is like the heartbreak grape. It's really <laughs> finicky. It's hard. I always call it like the ugly stepsister or brother to, to the Syrah because I go out there and I can trust the Syrah. Like I know exactly what it's going to do. I right. know before it even does anything what is going to happen. The Pinot is like every day. It's like, who knows? Are they coming home tonight? <laughs> don't know. Like, did they try to do me after school? Probably. I don't know. Oh, no. That's <laughs> not good. <laughs> They're just free roaming on their own. Right. So, um, but yeah, I love this story. We try to make it really light this time. And that's kind of fun. Yeah. And the, the story that you told me about Tina trying to, you know, actually get grapes uh, from that vineyard. Like, Helene, what a beautiful. Right. What a beautiful vineyard. You know, I um, had a client today actually email me and say, do you think you'll keep making this straw? What, what do you think? And I was like, Forever, as long as like like Elaine will sell me fruit, I won't make fruit from them because right. their farming technique is really stunning. They do such a good job. It's the most beautiful fruit that comes in every year, no matter what, including my own vineyard. <laughs> so you know, it's, right. it, they do a really good job, and um, it's just fun. It's really fun. We're gonna play around some more with some more varietals out of there because that, I, I think that's how you stay sharp and make better wine in the long run is to do right. you know play with stuff and do weird things out of your comfort zone. I couldn't agree more. So we'll keep doing it. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> so speaking of being outside your comfort zone, uh, I think you were a junior in college and uh, you were playing volleyball mm -hmm. and you tore your ACL. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That had to be quite an experience of like not being able to do anything and like rehabilitating and like just you had forced downtime. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah, every, right, AJ? Like, everybody has a story like this. There's some sort of an experience that completely alters their perception of who they are. Right. And my whole life, I grew up and I was an athlete. Like, that was my identifier and that was my persona. That's what my whole family did. 
we did athletics, so <laughs> we had all right. of them. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. And you were good at them, and that that was how it was. And I really did. I mean, I'm six foot. Um, I'm not a small person, so every first question everybody always asks, like volleyball or basketball, and so you get used to it, right? And, right, right. And that was always who I identified as, and and um, to and even now, like super active still, and, and love running around, always on my feet, and. To be forced to sit for six months, and honestly, it took me more like two years to really be 100% myself. And um, I think, yeah, it, it was honestly really, really beneficial in the long run, even though at the time it felt like my life was over. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was, you know, 20, so your life is over. It, but Yes, it's all it, over. Yeah, and it was, it was really eye-opening. It was like, okay, what do you, you know, I still had you know, disillusions of I'm going to play overseas and I'm going to do this after college. And, um, I'm really glad I didn't do that because I would have missed out on a lot of really incredible experiences that I had chasing wine around. And, um, I think the other really major thing that it taught me that people are starting to be more open about, I think now is that mental health is really, really important and in all aspects of life, right. And at all ages. And, you know, I, had so much fear about trusting my my body and myself um, during that time of my life, and I think seeing finding that seeing therapy was awesome and really beneficial and made me just a better version of of who I want to be um, was critical for for getting me here because you know I I still go to therapy all the time and if I didn't I probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> after 2020 <laughs> oh my goodness but even but therapy within itself is just like getting everything out of your head mm-hmm. is just absolutely. wonderful you know oh, uh, absolutely and i know that you bike ride i bike ride mm-hmm. uh and so for me when i bike ride it is like i call it sweating to get the crazy out yes yeah it's like active meditation right right it's um i don't meditate super well i'm very type a it's like not really <laughs> in my dna right um but i find movement in meditation is really critical for me. I mean, um, whether it's walking the vineyard, pruning, you know, just focusing so fully on something like traffic when you're on your bike, um, or your own breathing because you're dying. Um, because I don't know how, like, it doesn't matter how much you bike, Shayla Mountain is still a drag. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No. Um, and for me, those moments allow me to be able to step into the winery or step into the office and just offer better customer service, create a better wine, um, right. get out of my way a little bit in terms of, you know, not just making wine, but running a, a company and um, allowing it to do, to do the you know, work for you really is, is really kind of, you find, the, you have to trust yourself that you've put everything in the right place and that you found the right people and, um, trust that you made the right initial decisions so that it can do what it's supposed to do. And right. Same with the wines. You know, you, you trust that you brought them in at the right time and you, you know, you pruned correctly and you sprayed correctly and you nurtured correctly. Um, so that right now when they're speaking in the cellar, like I can just trust that, that they're going to be okay. Right. They're going to be really good. And that takes a lot of mental fortitude and um, yeah, a lot of therapy. And I think I never probably would have found my way there um without that experience in college yeah i can only imagine yeah i think yeah and the same with the fires you know it's it's um being able to work through that in your you know through the the grief and uh fear and stress through getting out and biking or or walking the vineyard or whatever it is i know we have kind of the same dog i think yes (laughs) (laughs) and they are you know, it, you could even be just hanging out with them because, I mean, she is the most empathetic, oh my compassionate animal I have ever experienced. Well, Aussies, they are so oh, toned into, like, like just the slightest little different eye movement. It's and nice. they're like... <laughs> you breathe differently, right. and they're, like, on top of you. Right. You good? <laughs> yeah. It's and it's, it is intense. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's amazing, you know, and sometimes it's a little bit too intense for me yeah. at times. <laughs> But for the most part, I mean, my little Ozzy, he is just an amazing little guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they're pretty special. I try. She, she gets you out in the vineyard with me a lot. But, oh, I can um, imagine. They're, they're pretty special. But yeah, it's, it's all about mental health and 
And then, yeah, whether it's hanging out with her and right. sometimes she even picks up on like, Piper, you need to go on a bike ride. Before like, <laughs> I pick up that I need to go on right. a bike ride. And she's like pawing me like, please go outside. You're losing it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I know, I've seen that you've been out in, you know, Oregon wine country a little bit more. I saw that you went to Abbott Claim one day. I did. What did you think of the Abbott Claim tasting experience? Oh, my gosh. Who wouldn't love that? It's incredible. It is incredible. Building, so Ben, my partner, is right. a, he's an architecture. So we usually pick wineries. Like, I pick one that I've been dying to go to based off of, you know, I've, I met the wine, like the winemaker talked talk to me or... You know, some a client said that I love their wines, or you know, something along those lines. And then Ben gets to pick one based off of architecture, and I had never heard of Abbott Claims before. And he was like, "We have to go. We studied it we, in school. We gotta go." We go, and I was blown away. Right. What a beautiful structure. Um, it's just a really incredible experience. You talk about transported back to Europe. Right. Tasting in that barrel room, I was like. I'm underground in a cave in Europe. Like, that is where I am now. And I didn't even get on a plane. And it's COVID. What? Right. Well, so when I went, um, I was, you know, it was they, he, he has changed it up a little bit. Okay. So I, I first went, well, well, no, 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 no. I, I think you have. Oh, okay. a, a, Most uh, recent. Yes. Okay. Uh, the first time I went, we met in like a little conference room. They were just, there was still construction and stuff mm -hmm. going on. I'm like, okay, this will be a you know a normal yeah. little experience. Um, you know, poured the bubbly, had a little bite, a little bit more wine, and then he's like, "Come on, I want to show you something." So everywhere I go, I have my little journal with me, mm -hmm. and I thought we well, were just going to show me something, and then we'd come back. Yeah. And then that's when we went underground, and just like totally blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think I think what really struck me. Of course, architecture right off the bat strike is striking. Right. Um, and what a weird way, right, to think all of, I mean, I shouldn't say all of us, but like a lot of people really, myself included, think about architecture and like, how do I get the best view? I feel like right. their whole system really forces you to turn inside and be like, okay, let's focus on the wines because that's what we're here to do. Right. And so we're going to actually go underground, even though we have a beautiful site. And we're going to talk about them underground where we're surrounded by them in their best climate, which is really cool. Um, but the second thing that really struck me was, you know, the idea of pouring someone else's wines at your tasting right. <laughs> is really awesome. It is. How incredible is that to not only support your friends and people that you respect in the community, but right. to also be like, put your ego to the side and just share wine like right. we're doing here. You know, that's what wine is supposed to be. It's exactly. supposed to be um, creating a connection with someone. It's not supposed to be about yourself or, right. um, you know, how you make wine. You know, it's, it's about wine in general. It is. Everybody does it differently and that's the beauty of it. We can all respect all the ways. Right. You know, the organ. I that well. Pretty cool. It is, it is <laughs> very cool. I yeah. really appreciate it. Um, the Oregon wine community in general is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you got to see a glimpse of that at Salute, didn't you? Oh, Salute. What an incredible, just everything about it is incredible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved everything about that experience. Um, we have been looking for kind of um, the right philanthropic space for us, I guess is a, a good way to say it. Um, right. The previous owners had a bunch of kids and they had um, slightly different beliefs uh, outside of the wine world than we did. And so what they were, um, you know, donating their time, money um, and space to didn't necessarily speak to Ben and I, because we don't have any kids. We have kind of different philosophies. And so right. we've just been kind of trying to figure out like where, where we want to donate our time and our space and our, our life to. So, um, Slude was such an incredible experience. You know, what an incredible organization to be able to be surrounded by people that have supported it from the beginning right. is incredible. So cool. You know, AJ, we sat with, um, the couple that owned Winderly right. at our table and they were awesome. Never felt so welcomed into any scenario space community experience before you know it's just like open arms come in like 
sit with us, right. enjoy yourself. And, you know, it was just such an incredible, I mean, everyone at the event was, was like that. And, um, it was so fun to also just go out and have the bar house <laughs> <laughs> and like see other people and get, wear something other than sweatpants. It right. was pretty cool. And actually socialize a little <laughs> yes, bit. Yes. Yeah, so yes. Other people in the industry, you know, that's the only downside to moving somewhere in a pandemic is really not that easy to meet people. It's not. <laughs> it's not. So it was, it was really fun. And, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to be a member of that program and I'm right. really glad to be supporting them and, and whatever they need and um, to continue raising money for them. And I would love to somehow correlate bikes to that because we're a big bike family and Ooh. I think that's pretty cool. Well, there's a lot of people. I mean, like Jessica Cortell, mm-hmm. um, uh, Dan and Jean from Corollary, myself. I'm sure that we could like... We should do that. That would like get a... Well, I want to start... Um, I've been wanting to start. I'm not really sure how to do it. I should probably just email you. (laughs) (laughs) We can figure something out. I've been wanting to start like a monthly bike ride out of here. Right. Because there's tons of really cool trails around here um, and great roads and great paths and all sorts of cool spots. And so um, both Ben and I, Ben used to race bikes and I did not. I just just (laughs) learned when I graduated college and needed an adventure. (laughs) Um, But it's kind of a great it's pretty social. Yeah. And just come back afterwards and have some wine and right. hang out. And yeah. Dehydrate. Yeah. Don't drink any water and come back <laughs> and dehydrate <laughs> some more. I know. Everybody's always like, oh, I'm more, it's like more of a beer thing. And I'm like, it can be a wine thing. It can be a totally wine exactly. thing. Now that we make white wine, it's like, <laughs> might as well. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm curious on your take on this. Do you consider wine art? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Yeah, you know, AJ, I think the coolest thing about wine is that it's a blend of science and art. Right. Which there's not that many parts of the world or activities or or products within the world that you can create um, that are a really beautiful blend of science and art. I mean, could you make wine without art? I think so. It'd be kind of boring. Yeah, what would it, what would it turn into? I'm I'm not entirely sure. I right. think it's definitely um, possible. I think that you know you got to have a blend. You got to have a blend of both, right? Because fermentation is science, and growing grapes is science, um, and a little bit of feel. I think <laughs> as I'm learning, <laughs> you ask me to go to the valley, you're like, oh, how did you got to when to do that or like why did you make that cut and like oh it's feel and I'm like I just I just knew to do that I'm like oh what <laughs> like, how do I do that <laughs> how do I learn to do that <laughs> through meditation yes right <laughs> like just sit out in the vineyard and be one exactly with your fruit but um yeah it's, you know it's um I think you can really tell that art is an important part of winemaking because you can take like lean is a great example you know um off the top of my head, I know like three wineries around here that make Syrah from right. Lake And none, their straws and my Syrah are not similar. And right. their straws are not similar. No right. one, and they're all coming from the same block and the same vineyard farmed right. exactly the same way. Right. So we're getting them home and we're doing our magic and they're coming out completely different. So all wonderful. And so I think that's right. If we just did science, theoretically, it would all they be, the would be the same. Right, they would be. <laughs> and so it's pretty cool. I think that's what allows it to have a culture and um, an entire entire communities around the world that are thriving. Because if everybody just made the same wine, it would be boring. It would just, yeah, it wouldn't. No one would care. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. I have some rapid fire questions for oh, you. Go. Okay. Um, <laughs> favorite artist to listen to during harvest? Ooh, music wise? Yes. Bonnie Raitt. Okay. Uh, <laughs> favorite indulgent food? I think lobster mac and cheese. Ooh, nice. If you could choose a superpower, what would it be? Talk to animals. Nope. 
harvest notes? Are they digital or handwritten? Uh, I handwrite them, and I handwrite them on little scraps of paper, which is not a <laughs> suggested. And so at the end of harvest, I end up with like a big ziplock of my harvest notes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I hope I really I never have to pass them on digital. <laughs> <laughs> I should move digital. I struggle digital. I don't know. I'm, I mean, you carry a notebook around. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. much better at like hand. It, it, it depends writing. to me on, on the the platform like what am i doing you know when i'm out tasting or whatever mm-hmm. typing uh, i can't personal. yeah i can't yeah. type it's just like i'm it's yeah. I, I need to be able to scribble scrabble and go mm-hmm. all over the place i will say that when we took over for Bay, getting a word document file of like the previous winemaker's notes was really cool I could imagine. So, so I think going digital would be really cool. Uh, and it would probably make it easier to like look back at what the experiences I've had. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm not there yet. So. That's fair. I mean, it, it's still early on. So you're, I think it's yeah. fine. But a lot of times I come home from the end of the day and I have notes all in my hand and then I transfer them to a notebook. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, your favorite superhero. watch a lot of tv okay uh but i think if i had to pick a favorite superhero well i haven't seen this movie but i feel like it would be the black widow because i really like Scarlett oh Johansson. yeah okay and she's really the only well i guess superwoman is kind of cool yeah and you have wonder woman oh and... yeah that's one. Yeah, right. wonder woman. yeah yeah she's yeah, yeah one of those okay oh, that's yeah, fair cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh what is the last book you read uh, actually, I finished it this morning. It is called Sunlight Canopy Management. Oh. Yes. Very exciting. You know it's a you know it's a really recent volume when the one of the photos and the diagrams at the end and the appendices is like someone like black and white, someone on their computer, like a laptop in the right. vineyard, and the caption of the photo is Kate working on vineyard notes with her portable computer. <laughs> I was like, this is prime knowledge. That's awesome. <laughs> right off the top. Hot off the press. Hot off the press. I'm sure you had to work really hard to find a copy of that book. I did, yes. I, I can imagine. Exactly. <laughs> I did learn a lot. Um, I'll probably have right. to fact check and make sure that it's not obsolete now, though. I'm sure <laughs> everything kind of builds upon itself. Yeah. Yeah. Most vineyard books are pretty old. They are. So they I don't are. know if there's, yeah, let's, we got to get some new influx of information, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shall we re- reveal the wine? Yes. Oh, okay. tell me. Yes. Okay. I haven't had any of their wines yet. I know. I was going to say, well, I knew they would pick a Oregon wine, but I was gonna say it's kind of got like a Sonoma Coast funky, yeah. So note. yeah, so the 2019 Luminous Hills from Kings North, um, it's a higher elevation vineyard, and um, it's just you know the the two brothers down there at Kings North, Mac and Sid, they're doing some pretty cool stuff down there. I don't gotta meet them. They're just. They're, the yeah, they're just like right across the street. I know. They reached out in the fall and I was like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Not <laughs> like, right now. <laughs> I would call you back. <laughs> they felt the same way. So I know. Yeah. We um, I actually talked to Ken uh, from Rain Dance right. at Saloon. And he was like, we've got to get everybody together from our little like, ghetto of winemakers right. here. You know, yeah. We've got such a like, Hazel Fern and Kings North and... Um, Oliver Springs, I've heard really great things, and they're right. so nice. I've, I've met them, but I haven't had their wines yet. And right. Yeah, and you have up Bells Up, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Medici, I know, has a plethora of winemakers up there that I've heard unbelievably cool things about, but I have not met any of them. Right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we've got a little, little ghetto yeah. here on, on Bell Road, so we got to get together. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought it would be nice to bring somebody from, like, the, the hood. It is. It's very smooth. Yeah. And for such a young one. Plus, I really like their label. It's like very, very present. It's like very clean. And- so they um, they grew up in Wisconsin. <laughs> and there's actually a hardy grape up in Wisconsin called um, 
the King of the North. Very cool. And so that's where they got their the name of Very their. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, we're, I grew up in Minnesota. We're like neighbors. Yeah. I'll have to reach out. Yeah, I've heard really good things. We have a ton of people that come and taste here after there and right. say great things about it. So. Yeah, no, Mac considered great. So Good. Yeah, well, I'm glad you I'm enjoyed. I'm glad you poured this for me. This yeah. is awesome. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yes, thank you. This yes. was really fun. Yes, thank you. Yeah. All right.